Hey, Marie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing okay now. I've had a bit of a rough week. One of our kids threw up in the middle of the night, and that was no good. And then pretty quickly after that, I got sick as well. Oh, no. I've had kind of a rough week with that. I'll spare you the the gory details, but <laughs> I've lost six pounds in just a couple of days. Oh, so no. I'm finally back on my feet and getting a little bit of that energy back. I'm feeling okay today, but it's been a rough one. Last week, we were talking about the Black Friday yeah. And I want to hear how it went. Like I'm an affiliate for Llama Life. You know, I, I mm -hmm. mention you guys sometimes in my newsletter and stuff like that. And so I was getting little emails of those <laughs> uh, people converting, which was cool. Yeah, and yeah. so I got to see a little kind of snippet. But yeah, yeah, why don't you give a little bit of the breakdown of how that all went? It went pretty well for us. I would say November 2022 has been one of our strongest months to date. Nice. But in terms of Black Friday specifically, so we ran we ran the sale for about a week. We probably launched on the Wednesday. There was a bit of a buildup because you don't want to do it just on the day itself. Like you want a little bit of time for people to hear about it just to know that it's coming. So we, we did it on Wednesday and then we ran it till like – midnight on the Monday. So we included Cyber Monday, maybe a bit of Tuesday. Mm -hmm. In that one week period, we sold around 5,000 US dollars of sales and there were about 140 new paid customers. So nice. it was pretty good. Yeah, it was yeah, really that's good. that's great. And that's definitely not the norm. <laughs> I like to give context around it because I feel like some people hear those numbers and then They'll compare it to their own business and be like, well, that's not happening for me. But that's definitely not the norm for us. So we're still pretty small. So that was kind of a big deal for us to have all those sales come through in that one week. There was a lot of work around it, though. And there was a lot of support that we had to give around it. Like people saying, well, whatever reason, they couldn't get the deal and we had to help them. Or just having more people respond to, say, our welcome email. Everything just went up that week. The whole workload went up around that. Right, right. I would say it was really successful for us. So that was a, it was definitely a great thing for us. And uh, we also had the Maker Black Friday site, which was a, a separate website that I'd created just basically to put as many Maker deals in one place. So the mm -hmm. when we say Maker, we, we just mean like a very small business. Maybe it's a, a solopreneur, someone, you know, making their own business or building their own business. We define it as less than five people in a business. Mm -hmm. So it's not really a, a deal site for anyone overly huge. This is for people who wanted to get more exposure on their own deal. And because everything was in one place, it had this nice kind of viral aspect to it where everybody's invested in this website. So they all share it and we all collectively get the benefit of everyone else's audience. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of stats around that because... I'm sort of reliant on the makers themselves. Like, I don't know what, how many sales they would have got from that website. The only thing I know for sure is there were 145 businesses that submitted to the website. Hopefully people got some value out of that. I know there was a bit of excitement on Twitter around it. Yeah. I don't know the end result. So <laughs> I'm hoping it helped other people as well. But it was definitely a, a fun one for me to build. I'm curious. We talked a little bit before about numbers before we started recording. And now I'm going to ask you stuff that I didn't prep you with before because I okay, didn't think about great. it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just curious. Do you have an idea for those sales? Like, were they mostly annual or monthly? Or do you not know much of a breakdown there? Yeah, they were definitely like 99% of them were just annual. Okay. And we kind of priced it that way. So the annual plan is a lot cheaper than a monthly plan. And there's no, you'd almost look at it and think I'd be silly to go on a monthly plan. Mm -hmm. For reference, the, the monthly plan is $6 per month. 
So that's $72 a year. The annual plan was normally $30 a year, but with Black Friday, it was $21. There's no logic in anyone getting the monthly plan unless they were really not sure and they thought, I'll just try it out for one month. But, you know, six bucks for one month or $21 for a whole year, which I think works out to be, oh, my maths is going to be wrong, like maybe a dollar seventy-five or something like that per month. Right. Like why would you just do it? So I think a lot of people <laughs> are like, I'm just going to do it. And that's what we want. Mm-hmm. It's easier for us as well if someone signs up annually, like to manage stuff. And obviously you get the revenue up front, which is always nice, and their commitment for a year, which is always nice as well. So you're talking about the website that you built how did you build it? Because it looked like you made it, you know, you made it where it was a little bit hands off and it kind of ran itself. Yeah. Because when I first saw it, I was like, whoa, that seems like a giant pain to like have to manage like hundred and however many like companies had kind of partnered with being on that website and manually updating it, but you didn't have to manually update it. So how did you kind of set that all up? I used a service called Glide. It still took me about eight hours. And for context, I ran this last year as well. So I sort of had a lot of the stuff that I'd already set up. So last year when I set the whole thing up, it took me the whole weekend. And that's using another service, right? That's not building it from scratch even. But like you said, a big part of what I wanted in there was this whole self-service aspect because you don't want to build something that's a side project and then have so many support requests. Like if you think about 145 people submitted their company, like if they, even like 10% of them had a support request, I'd just be, there's a lot. (laughs) And it took a weekend to set up the original one. This time around, it still took about, I would say eight hours of my time because there was a lot of stuff to tweak. And I also had to remind myself what the hell I did before, because it was one year ago, (laughs) but I used a service called Glide. It's really, really cool. So it's G-L-I-D-E. It essentially lets you create a web page off a Google sheet. What I did was I basically had a, the entry point was a Google form and the Google form just asked information about your business and what Black Friday deal you're going to submit. The Google form populated a Google sheet and then Glide basically uses the Google sheet as its database. You have to set it up though. You have to tell it like for this part on the website, I want you to pull data from this part in the Google sheet and you Mm -hmm. link it up through their service and it auto populates. Probably the most time was still setting up the Glide page because you still have to pick different elements. It's a no-code tool, right? So it's you don't need to know coding to do this, but you still have to say, I want it to look this way. I want to have a field here, another field there, and pull from this data source. Mm -hmm. I want to set it up to look a certain way. So that still takes time, but the end result was amazing because someone just submits the form And straight away, like there's no delay, it just appears on the website. That's great, yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing is if you want to edit your form, so after you submit, it sends you an email saying thanks for submitting. If you need to edit this form, click this link and edit it. Nice. And this happened a lot. Like I could see people editing it. So they might have done a spelling mistake or they wanted to change their Black Friday deal and they can just do it themselves. And again, it auto-populates the spreadsheet one thing that was really important for me was I, ha- I wrote like a little FAQ document because some these questions come up, right? Oh, how do I edit? I made a mistake. How to edit? It's there. It just says, you're going to get an email link. You can edit it yourself. How long does it take to it appear on the website? It's like, it's immediate. So I tried to put all of these things out there so I would have as little work as possible to <laughs> maintain it. I still yeah. got requests, but not as many as I would have. So it was very manageable for me. The other thing I did 
just because I was trying to be cheap and not, not have to link like a custom domain. So Glide has their own domain, mm-hmm. you know, obviously has their branding and stuff in there. I bought a domain for like 20 bucks, which was something like makerblackfriday.com. I just set up like a really simple React component and attached it to that domain. So when it hit that domain, it just basically redirected it to the Glide website. And that way I didn't have to pay extra to get a custom domain through Glide. So that was just kind of a cheap way to do it. I was really happy with the result. It basically looks like a product hunt page without the voting. That's the way it looks. And it's, I thought it was very visually appealing because of that. I just hope it helped other people too, because I don't have any visibility into that. But, you know, it was a fun thing and maybe I'll do it next year. Maybe. <laughs> I think it's been really interesting kind of in the last couple of years watching kind of these like no code tools come up, like stuff that automates away some of that stuff that used to be just sort of manual. And I remember when I was first hearing about no code and I was like, I code. So I was like, well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound interesting at all. But kind of like what you said, there are some things that it's nice where like if it's good enough and it can just sort of like automate away a lot of Mm -hmm. the stuff that just requires like manual work to kind of get it just right. Like sometimes that's really nice to be able to kind of utilize a tool like that. I definitely think there's a time and place for no code. Mm -hmm. That site is the perfect example because the purpose of that site was just to display information in a very consumable way. That site was also temporary, so it's gone now. Like I just put it up for that week and and now it's gone. And I wanted to do it quickly. And there wasn't anything super special about it. Like it was, it's something that could be templated. So I think that was a perfect example. I do think there are situations where no code just won't work. Mm -hmm. For example, with Llama Life, it's funny because some people say to me, oh, what no code tool did you use to make that? And I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) I'm always like a bit offended. (laughs) Uh I'm like, it's happened a few times. And um, I'm like, no, 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 this is all custom. Even the libraries, like uh, there's some design libraries, like, but I just use them like bootstrap, but that's just for more like page layouts. Mm-hmm. Everything about Llama Life is custom. And I'm like, no, it's all custom. And the reason for that is because there are certain limitations with no code tools. You can do crazy stuff with them, but there's still a certain limitations when you just go, I just want it to do something in a certain way. So I will just code it exactly mm-hmm. how I want it. And because Llama Life is so much about the user experience and how it makes you feel, I'm like, I want full control over that. And therefore no code wouldn't work. There are some people who are so good with no code though, that I just think like, you should probably just learn to code because some of the crazy (laughs) formulas and stuff that you've done to hook up different no-code sites, like Mm -hmm. you probably have like the right mindset to learn to code, like the right sort of thinking. When you get really, really good at no-code, I'm like, you're pretty much coding. Why don't you just learn to code if that's what you want to do? I have a friend who is like really one of those like super advanced people with Excel. Like he creates formulas in Excel that just do like the wildest things. It's like, you're right there. I can see like the way your mind is working for these Excel formulas. And it's like, you, you're you in that mind space. And I think mm-hmm. you could do some really cool stuff if you just took like, like those extra couple steps to learn how to apply that in some sort of programming language. I have a friend like that too, who's super good at Excel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to the point where like, I've been stuck on some formula and I just go to, I ask him and he's just like, oh yeah, you just do it like this. And he writes <laughs> something super long and I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't right. know what, what that does, but yeah, you, you solve my problem. I'm like, yeah, you should, if you wanted to, and I guess that's the key thing. Like yeah. if you want to do, you should learn to code. And, but I think my friend, he just loves, he loves maths. 
and I think that's why he likes Excel and Excel formulas and stuff. So he likes numbers, but I suppose that doesn't necessarily make you a good developer. Depends what you want to do, because sometimes with dev, it's I think it's both design and like the code, especially mm-hmm. for my product. Like you need both. If I couldn't do design stuff, Llama Life, yeah, it'd be completely different. <laughs> it's so much easier to know design and coding at the same time because you can just make it look yeah. or do exactly what you want. And again, because Llama Life's about user experience, it's super important. I feel like learning to program and having like kind of skills in design, learning how like whether it's the raw CSS or whether you're using Tailwind or mm-hmm. something like that, just like being able to like, hey, I want this thing to exist and I can build it. Like there's this, there's such freedom in that of like being able to build the tool that you want to be able to use yourself. Yeah. It's hard to sell people on that freedom. I think people don't quite get that until you're like in it and then just realizing like there's infinite possibility. Like I can build anything that I wanted to like, you know, given time and other constraints, whatever, but it's like all the possibility is out before me that I can kind of go and tackle because of the, you know, just because of where these skill sets kind of line up. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, kind of like what you said, like if he wants to, but I'm like, bro, you do want to, you just don't understand it. Yeah, you don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, it, it's kind of what you said. It's you can think it and imagine something and then you can just make it. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I felt that. This was very early on when I was teaching myself to code. And the first time I kind of made something happen the way I had imagined it, I was like, oh my God, I feel invincible. I was like, <laughs> what am I going to make next? You know, this was super early uh, version of Llama Life. Didn't even look like what it looks like now. But I just remember imagining something that I wanted and then I made it happen on the page exactly how I wanted it. And I was like, I feel so powerful. I feel mm-hmm. like infinite possibilities. Like, what am I going to do with this newfound power? It was such a great feeling. I remember early on, I was really big into fantasy football. I still sort of am, but not like I was like eight years ago or something. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I figured out how I learned just enough Objective-C, because this was before Swift, just enough Objective-C to make an iPhone app that did the sort of like stuff I was doing already to kind of like calculate and help me make decisions for fantasy football. And I like released an app that I could download on my phone. And there it was like, there's nothing to describe that feeling of like, I made this and it works the way I want it to. And I can change it to do anything I need it to do. And it's such a good feeling. And I just want more people to have that feeling because it's great. (laughs) And I, I think most of the people probably listening to this have that same experience. Our audience is in a kind of that indie maker space yeah, yeah. for the most part. And just like knowing that experience of being able to create whatever you imagine or wherever your skill lets you. And then sort of knowing that, oh, okay, to get to that next step, now I need to learn this thing and kind of like that infinite mm-hmm. uh, well of knowledge to kind of keep growing toward. It's awesome. Speaking of making stuff that you imagine, you, you've <laughs> been working on a habit tracking app. Yeah, I said for my intention last week that I was going to work on the landing page and it's not done, but it's really close to done. And I'm going to go ahead and say that it will be done by the time (laughs) this episode comes out. Uh, I've been partnering with another indie maker online. His name is Murat. And we've been working together for probably it's only been about a month now, but he was working on the app before we kind of partnered up. And the app is going to be called Polar Habits. So kind of like a polar bear. So P-O-L-A-R habits.com. Mm-hmm. And 
that URL will be live uh, by the time this episode comes out. This is a big commitment. Yeah. <laughs> you just mention the URL and it's people going to go there and it's got to be live. Yeah, that urgency is exactly what I need, that, that urgency and accountability. So that's exactly why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. The landing page is pretty close to done and I'm really excited. Like the idea behind the app, basically kind of like bucking the trend of like, there's a lot of habit apps out there, but one thing that many of them have in common is kind of focusing on keeping a habit streak and like having like your stats of like, oh, you've done it, you know, you've done this habit for like 14 times in a row. But the problem that always happens is then you miss a day. Like maybe you, like I got sick this week. And so there was habits that I wasn't able to do. Like I'm not gonna force myself to do something that's just like impossible because I'm sick in bed. Mm -hmm. But then you end up feeling guilty. And so you're like, I don't even wanna check. I'm gonna ignore the app for a while until like, I don't know, three months later when I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try a habit again. And it just like, yeah. it becomes extremely kind of like demotivating when yeah. that happens. Like when the streak gets broken, when that chain gets broken, you're like, ugh, do I wanna keep going again? Like maybe, and it's just like the opposite kind of feeling. Cause uh, I read the book, I don't know if you've read the book, Tiny Habits. Yeah. So that book is really, really good. It's similar, there's a lot of the same ideas that are in Atomic, Atomic habits, habits, which I think yeah, more people yeah. have read. But one of the things that's really key in tiny habits is that like behavior change happens when you feel successful. Mm. Feeling like a failure and feeling like or guilty, like that is not what actually motivates you. Like to be motivated, you need to feel like you're doing well. Like that's what's going to kind of encourage you to keep moving forward. And I think even more so with ADHD, like I think mm. we're really driven by that kind of positive reinforcement. So anyway, the app is kind of built with that in mind. Like how can we sort of like embrace like the fact that, hey, we're not always gonna be able to maintain a streak for forever. So how mm -hmm. can we encourage people even when that doesn't happen? And so we've got a few different ways we're kind of tackling that, um, you know, kind of our own spin on it, which I think people are gonna really dig. Like I really dig it. I've really found it helpful. The landing page, again, polarhabits.com. And right now it's just sort of a sign up. I think we're gonna be kind of trickling in some users to kind of let people mm -hmm. in early. And then we'll probably be releasing it more publicly early next year. No date yet, but early next year. I feel like I am your ideal target audience because I have tried so many different habit tracking apps and exactly what you said, you know, a lot of them are based on streaks. Mm -hmm. And then when you lose the streak, you just, it feels crushing. And then I never, exactly what you said, I sometimes just don't even get back on the horse yeah. because I'm like, oh, well, that's gone. And it feels too big a thing to get back into it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm really curious and excited to see what you guys put out in the next few weeks. I'm happy to be a beta tester. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll get you in early. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good. Especially because New Year is just around the corner and so many people are going to be, you know, I'm starting to think about this too now. It's like, okay, well, what sort of resolutions do I want to set? Mm -hmm. I have learned over the years though, don't set too many resolutions because every year, like I used to set so many and of course I couldn't do them all. And I think that's most people's experience as well. Like if you have done your New Year's resolution, like good on you. But I think you're in the minority because most <laughs> people just set way too many things. Like I used to set like massive lists and like it'll never happen. So now I just try and set like one or two. Maybe there are some habits around those one or two mm -hmm. that I could use an app to, to kind of build up to. But um, yeah, I definitely resolutions don't do too many. 
Because you're just going to set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, I think so much what happens, you kind of set those resolutions and then you miss one and then you feel like they all failed. Like you miss one and you're like, oh, well, what's the point? I'm not going to do any of this anymore. I've, I give up on all of these. And yeah, I'm kind of similar. I, I don't do that anymore. A lot of what I do, I try to set like a yearly theme. And so I'll kind of have like, mm. this is something that is really important to me this year, like what I want to kind of change this year. And usually I'll kind of try and tackle like two or three habits that maybe kind of reinforce that. And the other thing I try not to do is I'm not committed to a habit for forever. Like maybe this is a habit that is important to me right now, again, to kind of reinforce a theme. But mm. if I make a habit of I'm going to read a book every day for five minutes, I don't have to continue that forever. Maybe I'll reach a point where reading books feels kind of natural and I don't feel like it has to be like a daily check to keep mm -hmm. it going. Or maybe I'm just like, you know, I have to cut something out of my life for this phase of time, maybe for the summer because I have other stuff going on and just not having to feel fully committed to that for the rest of life. Because I think there's a little bit of that too, where if there's a habit on the list at some point, it just feels like a ball and chain. And like, yeah. I don't want that. I don't want to feel like, like if I write down the habit that then I have to do it for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, I think I needed that to hear that actually, because I think sometimes the habits I set, they feel too daunting because there is no limit on it. Mm -hmm. You're taking a little bit of pressure off yourself because you're, you're saying, okay, let's just try this for now and see how it goes. But I want to try and build this habit in say maybe the next month or whatever it is, but there's a date on it. And if I don't like it after that, well, I can reassess after that time is what you're saying. Yeah. I like that because I think I've tried the read, read every day kind of habit. I've tried that. Like even I've tried like read one page a day. Uh-huh. <laughs> could, I still couldn't do it because I, I think it feels so – so for those who don't know me, like I'm a very bad reader, like really bad. I don't know why. It's um I don't know if it's an ADHD thing, but I – I find it really hard to read. Same, yeah. Yeah, I'm not dyslexic, but it's more that I have to read the same page over and over again. And if the page isn't interesting, if it's not interesting, basically like it loses me. But once I get into a book, if I really like a book, then I can read, no problem. I think it mm -hmm. is an interest thing. But if it takes too long to get into stuff, I just can't. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> so I tried doing read one page a day and I think I stuck with it for a few weeks. But it's really funny. Like I've been reading the same book for about two years now. <laughs> it's like so bad. And yeah, now I've I, forgotten what's happened. So I have to go back and oh, yeah. I've tried rereading it again. And now uh -huh. I'm, like, I'm, I'm really not making any progress because I've had to go back to the start twice now. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. Okay. So there's two quick things I want to say. We're getting close <laughs> to wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one I want to say on the like difficulty reading, just to say like that's super common for people with ADHD. And one reason for that is it's sort of like emerging research, but there's a research that shows that that has to do with eye movement. Mm. So I took a test a while back that uh, had like a webcam that like tracks your eye movement and then gives you certain different things to read. Mm, and for most like neurotypical people, people without ADHD or similar conditions, when they read, most of the time their eye steadily kind of moves left to right and then goes down to the next line and moves left mm -hmm. to right. There's a little bit of bounce around, but mostly it's a steady move left to right. But people with ADHD, our eyes are kind of jumping all over the place while we read. And I noticed that when I pay attention to it, I'm like reading this and I'm still sort of reading it, but then my eye jumps over here and then jumps down there and then jumps up here. And her eye movement is more kind of rapid and erratic. So it's not moving consistently left to right. 
even when we sort of generally feel like it is, if you're paying attention, you can notice like your eye kind of jumping all over the place. Interesting. The research here is very early, but there's some people that think they will be able to actually diagnose people with ADHD just with an eye test, wow, just by okay. doing that, because it's such like consistently showing up in research. The second thing I want so much, if this app exists, please somebody reach out to me. I want there to be an app where I can say, hey, I'm reading this book and I'm on chapter seven. Give me a summary without spoilers of who these characters are because I've lost track of the characters, but I can't look it up because like I'm reading like a murder mystery or something. And so I, I know I can't like look, search who this character is to kind of research it. Google will just spoil it for you. Yeah, because it's going to ruin the whole thing. The real killer was this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's got to be like... Or someone needs to develop it, an app that can give you like a basic, maybe it, maybe this is an AI thing. I don't know if you saw yeah. the latest like chat GPT, uh, GPT-3 thing or whatever. Now I'm just thinking of it now. I wonder if that would work because so often I just want like just a quick recap of like yeah. what did this character do? Because I can't remember or I'm mixing three characters together. Um, I'm reading like an Agatha Christie novel right now and there's so many characters. I'm like, I... I'm never going to be able to figure out who the killer is because they all are running together in my head. You just made me think of Game of Thrones because like when Game of Thrones, like season one sort of started, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's kind of into the TV show. And I was like, you know, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try and read the book like some hero. And I'm like, yeah, I've never really been into that kind of book before. And I started that book. I was like, I have no idea what is going on because there's like a hundred characters. I'm exaggerating, uh -huh. but, and they all have similar names. And I don't know if you watched the latest, um, like House of the Dragon, but I haven't, oh, it was amazing, like amazing, but all the character names sound the same. And so I'm super <laughs> bad with that. So I have to put the subtitles on so I can actually read the names and then to make matters worse in in the game of thrones world we're sort of digressing here but in the game of, in <laughs> in the game of thrones world you have like kings and queens etc but the next generation is often named after like a previous king so like there's certain names that just keep showing up again and again because of they're like you know the next generation or the generation after that and it's like you know it's so-and-so the first or so-and-so the second. And I'm, and I'm like so lost. But, but Game of Thrones is one of those books, just bringing it back, is one of those mm -hmm. books that I, I tried to read several times and I just got lost on who's who. I think they had a family tree maybe in the book, something like that. Or they had a map definitely, which helped kind of figure out those many locations as well. So the map helped to figure out where stuff was happening. But yeah, going back to your, your idea of, of this app, that would be super cool. Like, if there was something that just told me this is this person and their son of whoever, and they did this up to this point, this is the, the summary of their story up to mm -hmm. chapter five. Um, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Game of Thrones, I've never really got into that. Uh, I did yeah. watch the first season of the show, but I believe I heard from somebody at some point that there actually is an app like this for Game of Thrones that you can specifically say. So the thing I'm saying, I'm saying I'm in chapter four. Yeah. Who is this person? And yeah. will actually tell you their history up to that point. Um, I may I may be misremembering, but I feel like there might be an app specifically for Game of Thrones that does that. Because you know what I did, right? I went online and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, what's the least spoilery way I can do this? <laughs> so then I, I looked up, okay, I'm going to look up a family tree or whatever. 
And then, of course, I got spoiled because it was like, so-and-so is the son of this. And then it said deceased. And I'm like, oh, okay, (laughs) thanks. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then, of course, um, the Google algorithm knows that I'm looking at, you know, Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon stuff and on Twitter as well. So it just keeps feeding me all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm behind one week, guys. Like, (laughs) I don't want to see all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, anyway, don't, don't look up family trees for these types of shows because it'll tell you who's been killed off and yeah, spoilers, <laughs> spoilers everywhere. Or so-and-so married like their sister or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. I didn't know that was going to happen, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, here's probably a good place to wrap it up. We've gone into quite the uh, HD uh, just ramble, uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, did do, do you have any intention you want to mention real quick before we uh, pull the plug on this one? <laughs> I don't know if this is going to happen, but I've been thinking about adding themes and dark mode keeps coming up as a request from customers. I'm not fully decided though. And maybe we can talk about this next week when, Mm -hmm. if I've done it or I haven't, but I don't know, I'm on the fence because I can see how some people would like it, but then I'm not sure people would pay for it. And obviously it's going to take time to implement. Like dark mode is not just putting a black background on everything. Like it, there's more to consider than that. Yeah. Oh, there's just so many things. Like even the font size might change with dark mode because your eyes perceive things in different ways. To do dark mode well is hard. That That's what I, I think. To do it really badly is super easy. And then I think it also affects future changes as well. Like if you're adding stuff to the app, now that needs dark mode too. So I'm kind of in two minds about it. I, I put a poll actually on Twitter and I was quite surprised because I thought it would be really one way like I thought everyone would say add dark mode but it's pretty much I'm just checking it now it's like 60 40 Mm. which I'm kind of surprised 60 for and 40 against so I don't know I guess we'll talk about it next week and see if I did it but that's something I'm just considering right now what about you kind of similar I have like things I want to work on I mean one right now my intention is to finish the landing page that I said will be done by the time this episode comes out Continuing to work on Polar Habits will probably be my focus for, honestly, probably most of December. That's going to be kind of my primary thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, with the new year coming around, we want to get it to a point for that with people doing resolutions. That's a good time to launch a Habits app. So that'll probably be, for probably most of this month, it'll just be like cranking away because there's so much we need to do yeah, yeah. Uh, to be able to get to that point, to be able to launch it and have people really signing up. But yeah, so that'll be my intention, kind of working on that. Yeah, that's exciting because you've got a hard deadline too. Yes. I agree that the New Year's definitely you want to get something out or some version of it out before Jan 1st, for sure. That week is when people are taking a break from work. On mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, mm-hmm. be, that would be perfect for you. Okay, cool. That sounds great. Have a good week and I'll catch you next week. Awesome. Sounds good. See ya.